Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. Today, I have with me Louise Duffield, and you will note from her accent, she is somewhat east of Texas. But she has an incredibly interesting background, an incredibly interesting story, and more importantly, currently an incredibly interesting role at a company called Gated Talent. I'm going to let her tell us a little bit about herself, but before I do, I will just share with you, she has an undergraduate degree in history, she has sales experience, she has writing experience, and she has a law degree. So Louise, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure. And hopefully I can inform and engage your listeners to give a little bit more detail on not just my background, but Gated Talent and how we help executives connect with executive recruiters globally. So when we were preparing for this podcast, you said that you had a, quote, diverse, end quote, background. I wonder if you just might highlight a little bit of that diversity and explain how that led you to Gated Talent. I would say fundamentally, my diverse background kind of covers, as you said in your opening, sales. I've got two degrees. I've had a combination of different experiences throughout my life and growing up. And I guess I joined Gated Talent in 2018, last July, a time when it was, I would say, the make or break in some ways for the platform. We are a subsidiary of a public company. So this was a startup platform for executives to join, to be engaged with recruiters. And they needed somebody on board who was going to help strengthen membership numbers, deliver marketing content that would engage and help get the brand message out there to get executives to join. And they quite liked my sales experience, but also I've had a lot of exposure within luxury sales. So I know how to deal with executives. I know how to manage. Well, I like to think I know how to manage high expectations. And so they wanted me on board. So the CEO approached me and he said to me, look, you know, I know you're doing this sales role, which I was in London for a cosmetic company at the time. And he said, but how would you feel about temping? So I started off temping. And then when the platform grew, and it did grow from 7,000 to 40,000 members in November. So from July to November, we had a massive increase. And he said, now I can offer you a full-time job. Do you want to leave the cosmetics industry and come here? So that's what I decided to do. Several things struck me when I was doing some research into both yourself and Gated Talent. One is your prolific nature in writing, communicating about several topics that interest you that we'll get into in a minute. But also, as you mentioned, the connecting senior executives to executive recruiters worldwide platform of Gated Talent. So I was wondering if you could really use that to explain a little bit more of what Gated Talent is and what the platform does. Okay, so... Gated Talent was established in 2017 and 
The whole way it come about was basically in a response to the GDPR and also it was a secure tool that wasn't in the industry at that point that allowed individual executives to share their information privately with executive recruiters. Now, as me and you both know on LinkedIn, everything you put on your profile, even if it's you don't select that you want it to be viewed publicly, it can, and we do know that these things happen where people will see things and potentially know that that executive is job hunting and they can't be seen to be looking. Gated Talent allows senior executives to stay on the radar. So we have a lot of what I would call passive job kind of candidates who aren't looking actively looking to move but use the platform as a way of staying on the radar so when the right position comes up they can be informed by our recruiters or if perhaps they're just seeking a board position in addition to their executive role so we also facilitate that but I guess really you could label us as a private LinkedIn so when a member joins they join as a free member Free membership is something that a member can have forever. They don't ever need to pay for any of our services. All the services are optional. And they would join and then they would input their details. And those details would then become what we call anonymous. So they would not, when a recruiter does a search based on skills, they would not see your name. They would not see your location. They would not see where you're working now. All of this information would be private. So they will literally come to a group of profiles of potential matches. And then the recruiter would need to send you what we call a connection request. And then you can either accept or reject that as an executive. And if you accept it, you are then accepting to share your name and your profile. So you're then handing over your profile, but you don't have to do that. So you write a blog. I've seen some videos you've done for Gated Talent, but I was really intrigued with the amount of information that Gated Talent makes available literally on a free basis on your website. And there were a couple of your blogs I wanted to maybe drill in a little bit deeper on. And one was, how does creating a culture of belonging contribute to the promotion or promoting of success? Yes. Yes. Well, this is something that I am I'm very passionate about, um, as you said. And I believe that's because I have a disability myself and I have what I call an invisible disability. And I know that not just here in the UK, but all over the world, people like myself, where the disability sometimes isn't as obvious, are struggling in the workplaces. And one of the things I try to do is to speak very openly about my disability and also, you know, how as global organisations, I guess we should incorporate and embrace differences culturally and have more inclusion. And Really, this stems from the top of the organisation. So a culture that would contribute to promoting success would really start with the top. And that would be the board and, you know, the CEO. And I believe if you have people in leadership who are running these organisations, who are very transparent, who are very open, who are representative of people like myself and other people with diversities, then that is something that you can feel that you belong to. So, for example, if I'm buying a product, even from a branding perspective, 
you know, if you know that everybody heading that organisation isn't reflective of who you are, then you, you don't feel like you're in touch with it. And I guess really that's something that I'm passionate about. I feel like the workforces have to reflect societies. I feel like inclusivity it has so many benefits. I mean, it retains top talent in organisations as well. So from the perspective of the organisation, it's actually very beneficial to the organisation itself as well as the individual. But we're a long way off from it, unfortunately. No, I would have to agree with you. And the discrimination faced by the disabled is unfortunately not at the forefront of many discussions around either discrimination in the workplace or even if flip it to diversity. So kudos for bringing that out and helping other people understand. If I could maybe change focus just a little bit to ask, I was really intrigued by a blog post you wrote about your leadership brand. And one of the things that intrigued me, this is much broader than your personal brand because you focused on, or perhaps more narrowly, on leadership. And I was wondering if you could give a few thoughts around how either a person or an executive can define their leadership brand. I guess when I'm speaking about leadership brand, I always think in my own mind of people that I associate with being great leaders. For example, Steve Job, he's somebody that I quite often kind of read a lot of content about. And I know there's various kind of leadership philosophies out there with different types of people. But really, I guess a strong leadership brand starts from delivering clear and and transparent messages. So this really, I guess, in a way, is about the individual actually saying, this is what I am, this is what I am good at in terms of my achievements. But also it goes a bit further than that because it's not just your hard skills or kind of hard achievements, it's actually your people skills and things like, we don't hear enough of this, like collaboration, empathy, you know, working with people towards a common goal. All these types of things, I think, really do show leadership. It isn't just about your skills or you've got a degree from Harvard or, you know, you've got a degree from, say, Oxford University here. It's really about your engagement with others. And, you know, I don't think enough focus is always put on those as notable achievements. And they are, you know, team achievements are really important and crucial to represent on your digital branding and on your resume. Another thing is I don't see a lot of executives generally investing in their leadership brands. And what I mean by that is actually spending time. So, you know, you don't have to employ a really expensive career coach or use a service. You can actually spend your own time developing and creating your own leadership brand and your brand message, making sure that it's transparent, consistent and clear, concise. And it sort of, I guess, really frustrates me at times because You know, I think that there are a lot of individuals that I've seen and spoke to that sometimes, you know, they aren't putting real value on their leadership brand, so to speak. And I do find that that's something that, you know, would and will help you along in your career, particularly in your executive career. So you write a lot about the soft skills of a leader, written specifically about Reid Hoffman, who I'm quite familiar with as one of the founders of LinkedIn and collaboration. And would have to say, when you quote Epictetus, that for me sells a blog post. So kudos on that quote. 
But is the soft skills of leadership one of the things that you think makes a leader truly stand out? I generally believe so. The reason why I believe so is because I think soft skills, even though they're underrated, I think they're actually harder in some ways for somebody to become better at. The reason why I say that is, for example, if I'm an executive and I want to create transition, I've got transferable skills in my employment that will lead me on that journey, on that path. And if I want to learn something new, whether that be something digital or something new, new technology, I can learn that in a manual or a book or many training sessions or courses. But fundamentally, if we're talking about emotional intelligence, that's not something you can teach somebody. That's something that's either in you or that you work upon and develop because fundamentally, I generally do believe that this particular line of skills is probably the hardest because you cannot really, if they're not there at all, you know, I don't think they'll ever be there. But if they are there, you know, there's something that you need to constantly work on. And we have exposures to different people in all situations in our life and particularly if you're managing a lot of people you will have many different exposures and you will have to be prepared to learn develop sometimes fail because failure will happen and that's something I speak about you know successful leaders speak about failure and also move on and develop it's a journey and it's a path and I guess fundamentally soft skills for me in leadership it kind of gives that icing on the cake, that really kind of layer of what leadership is about. Louise, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if listeners wanted any more information on any of the topics that you've talked about or maybe even follow up with some of your blogs. Could you tell them how they could do so? Okay, yeah, sure. So if any of the listeners would like to connect with me on LinkedIn, you're more than welcome to. It's Louise Duffield, Gated Talent. Alternatively, please feel free to email me directly. My email address is louise.duffield at gatedtalent.com. And you can also visit our website as well, which is www.gatedtalent.com. And if you go to Insights, you will see a lot of my blogs that Tom spoke about that are available there as well. Louise, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Thomas. It's been a real pleasure. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.